Welcome to Create an Impact Talks. The show where we meet people who create an impact for our world. We learn about their initiatives and what drives them. In this episode, I talk to Jostan Hahn, the founder and CEO of Plan Blue. And if that layer turns out to be 95% red, then most people understand there's probably something wrong here and we should do something about it. Uh, but what most people don't know is how important the seafloor is to help solve this problem. You know, kelp, forests, you might have heard of, uh, and, and seagrasses, they're up to 20 times more efficient at taking up CO2 than, than land-based forests. My daughter, she had a, uh, uh, like a teddy bear, and she showed, uh, she showed it to the other children. And my wife asked, like, what is this made of? And uh, then children were guessing lots of things and then said, it's made of plastic waste from the ocean. And then they're like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, welcome to today's podcast, to today's show. Um, I'm here with Joost and Han. Um, Joost, great to see you and meet you again. Um, we met the first time uh, two years ago, almost in Lisbon on a conference. Um, and I'm yeah, super happy to talk to you again. You are the founder of Plan Blue, a company that's mapping the ocean floor. We're going to talk a, a, about that, of course. But uh, before that, um, maybe to get to know you a bit. Um, sure. Where, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? How did you get uh, to become a seafloor mapper? Like, um, yeah. Again, welcome to the show. And uh, that's, that would be the first question. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's really great to see you again, Benny. Um, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very excited to share the story about Plan Blue. You know, uh, that's focusing on the other two thirds of our planet and uh, the part that's underwater. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, but yeah, I'd be happy to tell you a bit about myself. So I grew up in, in Holland. You probably hear it from my accent. Uh, so automatically relatively close to the coast. And uh, so I have a big passion for oceans. I, I, I love being Uh, underwater i love to be underwater i've been an active diver for many years and uh, i have a big affiliation to it uh, i i love exploring i love finding out new things and ocean has always been a big drive uh, for me and uh, it's also been part of my uh, my studies i did a master's phd and, and postdoc in uh, basically the effect of, of climate change on on the seafloor uh, so the ocean has always been an integral part and the thing that i also really love is uh, sports I love being active and that's also why I started diving, became a dive instructor and really for many years started to, to see this underwater world and also how it rapidly degraded. It's quite, uh, quite alarming. And um, yeah, I want to share that vision or what I've seen underwater with, with the rest of the world um, because that's really important. Uh, and that's, that's not so easy because uh, normally when, when you think about the ocean, you just look You look over the water and you think, great, there's some fish there, there's some, some plants, there's maybe some sand, some sponges. Uh, but really, the question is, why is it so important, this other two-thirds of our planet? And why should we care about it? And when you don't really see that problem, you don't really believe that there is a problem, so you're not really going to act towards it. And that's what we have as a vision at, at Plan Blue, to really protect the oceans by making the invisible uh, visible. Yeah. You you just said it. You you've you've grown up in um, in the Netherlands, and uh, that's uh, yeah, quite ocean related country. 
Um, maybe just to really get back uh, to to really the start of your of your life and like uh, already in childhood, there's uh, there's a path uh, that uh, that starts there and what made you the way the the, uh, the person you are today and the entrepreneur you are today. Um, did you get into contact with uh, with water sports with uh, um, uh, with the ocean at a young age through your parents or how that that uh, was at the time? Yeah, so when I when I grew up, uh, I, I grew up relatively close to the coast, so we would be visiting the, the the ocean every once in a while, and it always feels really refreshing when you're there. It's uh, you just come there and you just smell the air and you feel its presence. It just automatically calms me completely, and that for me that was always really really awesome. And I love being on a boat. I just love you know having my feet in the water, dangling off of a boat. Uh, and just you know have that touch to the water it's just something very special and that's that i had that all my whole life and i i feel that this you know it it, it draws towards you so automatically you also want to protect it you want to understand it want to do something about it and that for me was always really key uh in uh, throughout my life and that's also what draw me to create plan blue with my my co-founders uh to protect something which is so essential yet so mysterious to you but you know in your heart it's very important uh making that visible why that is so uh, important to all of us that is for me key and the part that we don't understand so well or hardly is the seafloor and that's what with plan blue for the company we try to visualize why this you know can help with solving so many issues uh, but at the same time you can see so many problems that are down there and Things we need to fix, that really drives me. And that's been driving me through my studies, through my uh, professional career. And for me, another really special moment that I had was uh, on a dive that I once did in Bonaire, uh, so in the Caribbean, where uh, I was diving at night. Uh, so everything was completely dark. So I was on the water, maybe 10 meters deep or something like that. And this was a very special moment where there were little zooks and te- uh, zook, uh, zoo plankton, little animals were breeding. And while they were breeding, they were giving off these tiny little lights in a row. So you saw tick, 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 little lights popping up. And then it only happens at a certain time after full moon or something like that. And then suddenly it's like everywhere. It's like the most beautiful thing I've seen. And that was for me really also a key moment to really help, like actively help, you know, understand uh, the importance of the ocean, uh, the seafloor, and do something about it. And that, that, that's been driving me. That's why I'm really excited to talk to you today, yeah. and uh, also to your to your listeners because the general public is the the, the audience. I really like to talk to, you. I really get excited about the seafloor. Yeah, great. So, what is your educational background? You you already told me that uh, you uh, studied for a bit in Guam, um, but um, yeah, what uh, what is your what is your educational background? How did you train yourself to become the entrepreneur you are today? Yeah, uh, no, I'd be happy to share that. Um, I have a bit of a strange background, I would say. I uh, studied farming when I was uh, younger. And uh, it's because my parents have a farm. They, they develop turf grasses for sports fields and parks, you know, turf grass where you walk on that, that look better and, and so forth uh, and like, need less water. Uh, so I studied that for four years. And I, I, even though I very much enjoyed it and I've been to many places, including New Zealand and the United States as part of my studies, uh, I felt that I, I wanted to do something else. I, I felt I wanted to help tackle the, the biggest problem that we have today, 
which I believe is climate change. And I felt I really wanted to do something about that. And uh, more or less by chance, my oldest brother, he took me to a university that he was interested in going, called the Wageningen University in the Netherlands, uh, to study earth system science, and uh, especially focusing on climate change. And I just tagged along because at that year, I, had, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I just finished my bachelor's. And I was sort of in between, you know, figuring out myself and which direction to go. And he took me to that uh, 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 to that university, and I thought, oh, this is awesome! I, I want to do this. And then I started, and I had just started diving because I saw my oldest brother diving all the time, and he sent me beautiful pictures, and I got really excited. And uh, so I actually started doing that study. So I started doing a master's in um, the effect of climate change, focusing on the seafloor. Then I worked for a little while in Guam as a, as a research assistant at the University of Guam. Did some very cool seafloor monitoring projects. I uh, became a dive instructor, did my PhD then afterwards in Amsterdam, again on the seafloor climate change. And also in my postdoc, I did the similar thing. So my studies were a very big part of, uh, of my, my background. Yeah. Yeah, great. You you just mentioned uh, diving. Um, what uh, what does diving mean to you, and what do you think? How does it affect, or how did, did it affect the, the work uh, that you are doing today? Yeah, diving is like flying, but then underwater, it's you enter a completely different world. So as soon as I dip my head, my head underwater, I it, it I'm somewhere else. Literally, of course, somewhere somewhere else. But it's a, it's a different world. It's a world that we as humans don't live. And the first time I went diving in the tropics, I had a very complete uh, imagination of what it would be like, actually. I was in Bonaire, which is actually a very beautiful dive site, a dive, dive spot. Uh, but I had a very different imagination of the, the BBC's uh, series that I saw on it. And I thought it was going to be everywhere really beautiful. But I jumped in the water and I realized it was just completely destroyed, the part that I went into. So I was, for me, it was a real shocker. I thought, oh, I mean, if this is really the, the most beautiful site, uh, what, what does that really mean for the rest of the world? Uh, so for me, that was really uh, shocking. And then I thought, oh, I really, I, I really want to participate doing something about that. And I tried to do it in science, and I didn't think I could reach the public that I wanted to, uh, to reach. And then I started to venture uh, Plan Blue. And with that, I can, you know, much better reach uh, the general public. And just the fact that we do this podcast sort of proves my hypothesis because I can really talk to the people I actually really want to talk to. Great. You just, you just mentioned the starting plan, Blue. How, how, how did it come all about? Like, what was the, the, the starting point? How did, uh, yeah, how did Plan Blue start? How did, did you decide to become, a, uh, become an entrepreneur? It sort of came by chance. So I, I was hired at the Max Planck Institute in Bremen. Uh, to work with a really awesome seafloor monitoring technology uh, that they developed. And uh, they basically uh, hired me to train that device to recognize things, or help develop a library so that it can recognize a sponge or a coral and so forth. Uh, and also from my background in my studies and working partly with the industry, the seafloor monitoring industry, I thought, oh, this is a really cool tool. Uh, this can be very, uh, very interesting for a lot of uh, different people. So then the idea was born to, uh, to commercialize it. And uh, we, you know, asked if uh, we actually got a, a, a grant for this, uh, Exist, uh, Exist Startup Grant, a lot of support from the Max Planck. And uh, we started our venture uh, about 
three and a half, almost four years ago now. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited about it. We we found it with uh, with the four of us. Uh, so Hannah, Guy, and, and Raja and myself. We we started uh, back then. Got a lot of funding from Climate Kick, especially really awesome accelerator from EIT from the European Union. Uh, a lot of support from all kinds of different uh, different ways and and really help uh, you know visualize this uh, invisible world, this 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 seafloor, why it is really important, and why we should know more about it. Let's get into that. What is Plan Blue doing exactly? So Plan Blue develops uh, underwater satellites, uh, and we call it an underwater satellite because it's a really, uh, it really, it's like a satellite. Uh, it's diver operated, so actually a person uses it underwater. And if you look at it, you you'll see basically a, a big camera. It looks like a big camera, but it, it's a lot more than that. So sometimes you go, you see divers going in the water that, when they're filming. You have to imagine something like that. And uh, this underwater satellite has a bunch of different types of cameras in it. It has a hyperspectral camera, which I can explain in a second what that is. It's a normal video camera, like RGB, stereo cameras, but on top of that, also navigation systems, uh, six different types of sensors. And this is very important because as soon as you go underwater, and especially people that have been go diving for the very first time, you sort of don't know which direction you're going. You don't know where you uh, where things are, because you're not used to uh, be, you know, walking sort of in 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 a two D space. You know, we are when we walk around, we we walk on land, and we don't just suddenly sh shoot up into the air because we're stuck because of gravity. Underwater, it's different. So that automatically your whole navigation and where you are is is tricky. So uh, that's something that we incorporated into the underwater satellites so that you can also track changes over time to actually go back to the same point. How does it look like now? What does it look like next year? So that you can see like how big is the problem of plastic waste on the sea for how well are, for example, kelp uh, kelp or seagrass growing or not because uh, they're the best carbon sequesters we know. So they, they take up up to 20 times more CO2 than, than land-based forest. So there's a lot, of, a lot of value down there. And that... Uh, yeah, that, that's that's for me key to to uh, to work on with with uh, with Plan Blue. Yeah, I remember a quote uh, from you um, in in Lisbon, uh, which you had in your in your keynote, and it's um, that we know much more about the surface of planet Mars than we know about the the surface of our oceans. Um, Knowing that, why is it so important for us to, to know much more about the surface of our oceans? Why is your technique, your technology, and what you're guys doing at Plan Blue so important? And what advantage, advantages bring, does, does this technique offer? So the seafloor is, is much more important than we really think, or most people think, I believe. Um, there's uh, millions of people are dependent directly on the food that's coming from the seafloor in terms of fish and so forth. Uh, it's 98% of all sea life lives near the seafloor. It, it's millions of people have direct and indirect, indirect jobs uh, from the seafloor. It's important source for new medicine, you know, antibacterial, anti-cancer uh, substances. It's uh, you know the foundation of uh, uh, offshore wind parks, biofuel production from seaweeds. But the thing that I'm most excited about is uh, carbon sequestration. So we, we pump a lot of CO2 into the air by driving our cars and industrial activities and so forth, which of course is a really big problem that's what's leading to climate change. 
but what most people don't know is how important the seafloor is to help solve this problem. You know, kelp, forest, you might have heard of, and, and, and seagrasses, they're up to 20 times more efficient in taking up CO2 than, than land-based forest. Uh, and in the area uh, potentially suitable to it is, is gigantic. Um, so this this is very important that, that we also make use of that and we think about that because it not only helps draw down CO2, it brings back biodiversity, it brings back fish, it actually benefits fisheries, it benefits tourism. So uh, I really believe that restoration is key. Establishing marine protected areas is key. And we with Plan Blue want to do our part to actually make that happen. Because uh, as I said earlier, it's you know it's about visualizing the problem, acting towards the problem when you actually see it. And then once you see it, you believe it, and you're going to do something about it. That is key. And that's also why I'm, I'm so excited that it's now the, the, the UN decade of the ocean. Like we're really focusing on this and marine protected areas are one of the spear points to it. And yeah, we want to do our part with Plan Blue to actually make that successful. Yeah, and you touched on that uh, a bit earlier, but how exactly can your technology help in uh, marine restoration, um, in, um, yeah, in creating a better environment in, in general for, uh, for oceans? Yeah, so our underwater satellites, they, they provide data that, that enable others to make the Uh, help make the right decisions. So we, we visualize an, an issue. If you, for example, think about plastic waste pollution, uh, 40, about 43% of the plastic waste that enters the, the ocean actually doesn't float, it goes down towards the seafloor. And since we don't see that, we don't really, you know, you generally don't really going to do something about it. So we want to visualize actually uh, that there is a big problem. Uh, because if you, if you don't see that, uh, it's, it's very difficult to do something about it. So, and the same thing co goes with growing kelp forests. Uh, you want to show that it is successful, that you actually can make a business out of it whilst capturing uh, tons and tons of CO2 actually solve issues. And that combination of, a, of an ecological benefit with an e economical return is really key. And you need data on that to, to, uh, to prove that it works, incentivize those types of technologies. That's what we do with our underwater satellite technology. Right. Um, what do you find down there when, uh, when you, when you're mapping the seafloor, when you're making the invisible visible, what is, what is, what, what can we, what can we find? What is, what do you see on the pictures on your data? What, what is going on? What is the state of the ocean? The state of the ocean is very poor. Uh, a lot of places where you go, it, you can see destruction very easily. There's hardly any places that are not yet affected. Uh, you really have to go very far into the Pacific, and one of the you know islands maybe that there's even no people living, but still you'll find uh, effects of of humans down there. So we're basically touching every area. I, uh, I a couple of years ago there was somebody going to the deepest point in the ocean, and they found plastic waste there. So if it's down there on the deepest point in the ocean, it must also be on many many other places around the world. So it's it's you know it's it's a huge uh, huge issue and. We want to help, you know, visualize that that uh, that problem. How does uh, hydrospectral imaging uh, help you, um, or what is the, is this technique doing for you? Yeah, so hyperspectral imaging is a really awesome technology. It's also not a new technology; it's been actually used in space for decades already. Uh, but you have to imagine your your phone. Uh, so on your phone, you have a camera, and we all have eyes. And basically, if you look at an object, and that light 
uh, from that object is in, uh, reflected into your eye or into your uh, camera. Uh, we have color receptive cones in our eyes for red, green, and blue. And we use that information to see actually other things, yellow things or, or green things and so forth. Uh, so, which basically means that a lot of the information that actually enters my eye, I don't use. So I use basically three sets of bands from the light spectrum. But hyperspectral imagers don't do that. They don't use just three sets of bands. They use hundreds of bands. So there's a lot more information that you get from the same object. And if you then combine that with artificial intelligence, you can do really cool stuff. You can really visualize things that you can otherwise not see. Uh, you can, for example, there, there's scanners for uh, skin cancer. So you can scan your skin with, with multispectral or hyperspectral imagers, and you can visualize problems early on. Uh, there's also an, a really nice image of an, an avocado, uh, uh, which I saw with a really awesome other startup, where they can show if it's still good or not, should I buy it or not. And you use other types of camera systems to actually visualize that invisible. That's always why we talk about make the invisible visible, because you show things that we as humans or normal cameras just can't see, because we don't use all of the light information that we have. So why not use that information and actually visualize problems uh, and even solutions in a much more efficient and uh, interesting and better way? And what is it then what, uh, what do you end up with? You have a... Uh... What is the end result in the end when you when you're out there and you have an operation you're scanning the seafloor what what is the the, the information you, you gain what, what is it and how can you work with it so the information we, we get is really diverse so we we have like uh, hyperspectral data normal video data stereo imaging data navigation data so all that information you can you can pull out a lot of information it really depends uh, on the user what they actually want to do with that Uh, so you can, for example, uh, very simply say, is something alive or is it not? Which can give you a qu quite quickly an impression if something is going well or if it's not going well. If you say everything that's degraded is red and everything is doing well is in green, and you see that your image, where you first look at and you look at the sea and you think, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Why not put another layer on top of that? And if that layer turns out to be 95% red, And most people understand there's probably something wrong here and we should do something about it. And this can be useful for not just scientists, but politicians to make quick decisions, coastal managers, but even businesses to make sure that they build, uh, when they build on the coastline, that it actually makes sense that they're you know, thinking uh, sustainable. Uh, all those kind of things are, are important, but also for school kids to, to understand this other two thirds of our planet. Why is it important? Why should we care about it? If you can very easily show that, that is, I think, really key. And that's what we do at Plan Blue. Great. What is the what is the vision you have behind that? What do you think? Is there is there a vision that at some point you will will have mapped the whole ocean floor, or what? What is your what is what is what what drives you? What is the vision for Plan Blue? Well, the vision, the number one vision, is to protect our oceans. Uh, they play such an important role on so many different levels for everybody. And most of us don't even, are not even aware of that. Uh, that's our ultimate goal. That, that's what we want to do. Uh, visualize problems, visualize solutions, and how the oceans really can play a key role in solving the big issues that we face, uh, face today, which are climate change, plastic waste pollution, biodiversity loss, and, and, and more. Uh, we at Plan Blue, with our underwater satellite technology, want to build up a very large seafloor database that, that allows everybody to see how important this other 
other world is. Uh, our technology is currently diver operated, so a person is actually mapping. Uh, but of course, we're going to put this on underwater robots as well to really map larger areas, deeper areas, faster, uh, and so forth, and really become a key player, key global player in, in providing data that, that, that helps in, on so many different uh, levels. Uh, like I said, not just uh, scientific, but also businesses and general public. Uh, that's really our big vision. And at the same time, I also know that, you know, in order to protect, uh, we also want to foster the blue economy. The blue economy is going to play a really big role and is really playing a big role for, for all of us. Uh, but we want to make sure that it becomes sustainable. Sustainable is everything. If we want to, you know, we grow very rapidly as a, as a population on this planet and we, uh, we need to really think about managing it well. And data is key, and we really lack that information. You often hear that we know more about the surface of Mars than of our own planet, uh, which is true. And we really lack data to make good decisions. And 95% is unexplored. And the 5% we did explore, we actually know very little about. And what we do at Plan Blue is really look in detail. So we make maps that are not... Uh, hundreds of square uh, kilometers and with just very rough idea of what's going on we, re we really create high detailed maps so we look at square millimeters square centimeter information where you often have you know indicator species popping up saying that okay your local sewage plant is probably not working because you know i see this notorious algae popping up you know we want to have quick decisions quick information time to data is key uh, at the moment it's really difficult to to map an area and quickly have results. It can take months. Uh, we want to reduce it to days so that politicians can quickly implement uh, laws. Uh, coastal managers can quickly change things for the better. And that, uh, for us, uh, that's the big vision, to, to be able to provide that and really take everybody along with this. When you look a bit uh, into the future, do you think it's uh, it's a realistic scenario that at some point we will have a, a proper map of the of the ocean floor? Do you think it's uh, is that a realistic target for you, or what is was it what uh, what you're working on? Well, you, you never know what's going to happen. So when 20 years ago we started, uh, Google started. You know, who, who knew that every day everybody's going to use it constantly to. You know, there's so many possibilities in maps. You know, maps are key to navigate, to go places, to find out things. And uh, who knew that at some point there's going to be a Google car driving around everywhere, you know, mapping our, my street. I can go online and I can see the, my parents' house whenever I want to. And you think it's going to happen to the to the ocean floor at some point? Or? Well, there's a lot of initiatives. There's a lot of everybody's starting to really get interested in mapping the seafloor. You'll see initiatives everywhere. You see startups popping up everywhere. Everybody wants to know what is down there. Everybody wants to use data. And uh, data is key, really, to make decisions. And so we, we don't know like uh, how it's going to be looking like in 20 years. But there is so much down there, so much to, to learn, so much to, to, to gain in a sustainable way. Uh, who knows? Yeah, crazy. I'm uh, excited to to see how it's uh, how it's going. Maybe let's talk about um, uh, to get also a bit background about Plan Blue. You said um, you guys are 16 people in the moment. Uh, we're 15 people. Yeah, 15 people. And yeah. uh, what what uh, what kind of jobs are um, are uh, been done in the, the the company? Like, are you all mainly um, um, uh, having a background in in marine uh, in uh, uh, 
marine science or what is uh, what is the background of most people and what what the kind of jobs these people are doing yeah it's a it's a very uh, i have an awesome team let's put it let's put that first out there i'm really proud of the team that we have the diversity we have the the like-minded people we have as well in terms of really doing something good i'm really really proud of the the guys and, and girls in my team um really uh, one thing that i always learned when i started you know a business that uh, people say be very careful of how, like how your culture develops when you grow more and i see my the culture in my in our company just getting better uh, it's really amazing to see and see everybody down there and even in the corona times it's, it's often challenging because we like to you know really work together uh, being at the same place but it's not not there uh, but at the same time, and in the mornings, we, we always have this daily checkup where we just, you know, see each other quickly on, uh, on the screen, say, hi, what are we doing? How are things going? Uh, I really like that. And, and I feel that this is really key. Uh, it's, it's a good combination of expertises from different directions. It's not, most of us are not scientists, actually. Uh, we have a lot of technical uh, people. Uh, to really drive the, the technology itself from the aerospace industry we have uh, data scientists we have uh, business people um we have a user experience lead we have project managers uh, uh there's, there's so much out there and I, i'm also really proud of uh, the uh not just of the employees that we have i'm also very proud of the founders that joined me on, on our mission to protect our oceans uh we're all very different backgrounds with different types of people uh, but it fits somehow, and I'm really excited to to further grow the team and uh, spread the world. And we just made a little video on our on our company, which I'm really. When I saw it for the first time, I was like, "Oh, I'm really proud." I had a little bit like, you know, the feeling that you have a bit tears in your eye, like, "Oh, we really did something awesome the last four years." I, that was it was such a special moment, and we watched it all together the other day. And I thought, yeah, I'm really proud to be part of Plan Blue. Maybe to get the, the people out there a bit of a visual, more visual picture, when you guys are out there doing a campaign, how does, how does it look like? You go to, to a certain place and then um, there, there's, an, there's an contract um, and then you go there. How does, it, how does it look? How many people are there? How many people are operating? How, how, how does it maybe take us on a journey with you when, you, when you're out there um, going through the ocean and, and mapping the seashore? Yeah, sure. Uh, so last year we did a couple of campaigns just between the first and the second lockdowns. We were actually quite lucky that we could do uh, do two campaigns. One was in France, slash Monaco, and the other one was in uh, in Portugal in Cascais, so near Lisbon. Uh, the one in Monaco is really it's a really awesome uh, campaign uh, where uh, we've been now for the second time uh, with EcoSeas and the Prince Albert II Foundation. Uh, what they're doing is they're uh, replanting the seafloor with uh, 3D reefs. So they printed 3D reefs, put them down there a couple of years ago, and they want to basically bring back life. So they used the technology to to see if, if it's working, if this actually helps restore the, the seafloor. Uh, so we went there with uh, the three of us. Um, we, um, uh, yeah, we, we trained basically the people there to... Um, uh, use our underwater satellite themselves. They actually mapped themselves. It was actually quite easy to, to train them because we like others also to do it in terms of scalability of our business, of course. And uh, yeah, very quickly they, they could map by themselves. In half a day, we trained them and off they went. And uh, we're still working with them because, like I said, the data that we collect is really rich. Uh, we're still in, in prototype phase, but it's 
yeah, very happy at the, at the state that we are. And uh, there's still a lot to be done uh, uh, in, within a company, of course, but you know, it's part of being a startup, but I'm really happy with the first project that we did and help, you know, the, like the Prince Albert's second foundation and scientific institutions to uh, better understand and, and protect and work with our oceans and particularly our seafloor. Uh, then we did another campaign in um, Portugal, or went with the three of us, uh, and there we uh, did a large-scale demo. So we, we had our underwater satellite, uh, we took it with us, we went diving with uh, different people um, that signed up for one of our demos. So we did demos underwater and demos above water, we gave some presentations with the Cascais municipality, it's an awesome partner of ours, really happy to have them aboard. Another partner of there is Sea uh, Forester, which is also replanting the seafloor to bring back biodiversity and uh, draw down CO2. Uh, it's a really amazing initiative that they have. And uh, yeah, we, we, there we basically showed what, uh, who we are, what we can do, and basically together with them further develop the technology to really, to really scale ultimately. And that's, uh, we really believe that directly working with our customers and partners is, is key in this because what we do is very new. The other one satellite we have is the first of its kind. The, the way how we want to bring data to our, our customers and partners via a strategy which we call hotspot mapping strategy is also new. For that, it's key to really involve the people directly. Uh, so that's why we, we did it like this. And I look forward to the next campaign, which is going to be in May, probably, if Corona allows us in Southern France, where we work together with uh, a very uh, an amazing uh, environmental consultancy called Creation. And they uh, are also one of our partners. And uh, there we're going to map part of a marine protected area, which goes directly to the heart for me. You know, those areas are key to protect. And uh, there, one of the missions is to compare traditional ways of monitoring with, with our technology and see how we can help improve the whole monitoring um technology uh, and the whole process because it's a very labor intensive it's a very time consuming uh, thing and we believe we can really help optimize and, and make this much uh, easier and increase significantly increase the time to data so that people can make the decisions uh, they want uh, as soon as possible I also want to talk a bit about uh, you and your journey as an entrepreneur you As we just uh, heard that uh, you were in university and then all of a sudden you became an entrepreneur. How, when you look back at that journey, like what did you need to learn? How did you need to change and adapt to the, this new situation? I mean, you had to deal with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with funding, uh, with all of this, uh, this stuff that, uh, that also belongs to be, become an entrepreneur. So. Let's 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 touch a bit on that. How how did the, this journey? How, how was this, this journey for you? Yeah, this journey actually started when I was eight years old, and I only found out later that it started back then. And the reason why it started back then is because my parents started the company then, and I never realized how much of an impact that had on me, and also my entrepreneurial spirit. Ultimately, that we do that we have that I have now. Uh, it really played a big role. So uh, I uh, remember uh, the, the ups and downs that my parents had. My, my father actually had a really good job at another company. And he was you know, developing flowers, new types of flowers that look nicer, that need less water, uh, turf grasses uh, that you can walk on longer before they die, basically. And there's many things that you can do. And he thought, I have an idea. I think I can do it better. 
And everybody told her, oh, don't do it. You know, you have four little children. Your wife is pregnant. Why would she give up a, a solid job? Uh, but he took the risk together with my mom. And together they founded the company uh, more than 30 years ago. And it's still there. And they took the chance. And they, they had, uh, you know, the ups and downs. Uh, they had really difficult, rough patches, uh, which I overheard as a child, but which I wasn't supposed to overhear. But I heard it anyway. Uh, and they had their good moments, and they uh, they have a very successful business in the end. And that was really key for me, uh, but, and which I realized later on, because when I just started the business, people always asked, is this, you know, you've been a scientist for quite a few years, is it not really difficult? And it's somehow as challenging and as difficult as it is sometimes, it sort of felt natural to me. It felt like this. I, I should have done this a long time ago. That's what I felt. I, I should have got, started a business you know, much earlier on. And uh, but it's yeah, it's it's difficult. And it's uh, the, the, I think the key thing that I learned is is how uh, still how little I know, and how do I fill those gaps? Getting the right people around uh, the right people around you to to fill those gaps and together build up something unique uh, in terms of you know partly of course investors and joining awesome accelerators like climate kick uh, is a big program um getting the first customers on board partners on board you know establishing your team uh, and convince people that uh, people uh, you know we, we have really something awesome to look look to and, and the other day we we had uh, a job opening and in no time 500 people applied which was awesome uh, because it means that maybe you do something good and people would like to join you. And I, I really like that. Uh, but it's, it's difficult. Uh, you know, uh, a startup, I mean, you all know about it yourself. You have nights that you lay awake and you think, oh my God, are we going to do this? And, and and you have moments that you think it's it's everything goes perfect. And it, it has its ups and downs and it will continue having its ups and downs. Uh, but you just keep going. You just keep going forward. Uh, and follow your dream and follow your big vision protect the ocean that's key go for that and and get the right people on board to help you succeed and i'm also very proud of the investors that we have that, to join us on our mission the the public funding that we got from different places uh it's it's been an amazing uh, support and uh, the max planck uh giving us the opportunity uh, uh, to get an exist Kunde stipendium, like a startup grant to to spin off from from their institute, it's uh, yeah, it's looking back at it, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a big uh, big journey, but it's been a good journey, and I'm very proud, like I said, of, of the team, especially and how we got to to this point. Great, yeah. Um, how do do you? So how often do you, do you need to go to to the ocean still and and go for your walks uh, in in order to? resettle and to rebalance are you still doing that or is it uh not, not that often anymore? you don't have time anymore. You have two children now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have two little children with my wife i uh, i have a, a six month old almost six month old daughter old, old daughter and a, a daughter that's uh, five and i i would love to i'd love to take them to the ocean we uh we don't go so much right now because of corona of course and i live in bremen which is not directly next to the coast. So I'd love to live directly at the coast. I have a place on, on, on at the sea that would be amazing. Uh, but I try to go there as, as as often as I can, and I would like to go much more than I than I already do. But just being on the riverside in Bremen is already nice. Just to feel the water close to you, or just go swimming there. It's it's really really nice. And 
my my oldest daughter is also really she loves the ocean and she loves jumping in it and running around in it and we did a we did a which was pretty cool last year we did a beach cleanup together with with uh, my my oldest daughter's uh, kindergarten and so we uh we all met you know at safe distances of course uh at the beach and we uh with the children we collected plastic waste and my wife who is also in the company one of our co-founders and is doing an amazing job uh she gave a presentation to the children and explained you know what is this and why is there why is there plastic here what does it mean but at the same time she also really explained like the, the wonders you can find even in the water sea which we are close by like the tiny little animals that live there and what they can do and why it's so special and you just see the the children light up and, and be so amazed by them my daughter she had a uh, uh like a teddy bear i was not a bear but it was like a whale or something like that and she showed uh, she showed it to the other children and my wife asked like what is this made of and uh, then children were guessing lots of things and then said it's made of plastic waste from the ocean and then they're like wow that's amazing and uh, so I, I i love going to the ocean i love talking about you know protecting it and, and the wonders that are down there and well, i'd love to spend much more time there startup life takes up most of my time and of course my family life uh, but yeah i hope it's hopefully corona is over soon and we can you know spend more time at the beach i would really like that yeah man i think um that's uh, that's already a, a great end in a way um but as i <laughs> as i told you before there's three questions at the end of every uh, podcast that we have and they're, they're all always the same so i would like to hear your thoughts so the first question uh, would be what is your advice for for yeah entrepreneurs starting out um for just the audience out there what 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 have you learned on your personal journey on your professional journey what is the advice you would would uh, get out there at the end of the podcast my advice is just to keep going as hard as it is sometimes and as difficult as it is sometimes just uh, pursue your dream you'll often have moments that you think oh, i want to give up but you have to keep going because that's the way you get to the to the point and, and get the right team get the right support and realize that you don't know everything you need support That would be my advice. Great one. The three best books that you that you learned from. That's a that's a right a nice nice question. Uh, that I learned from on the business side, or that I just like to read. Ah, never mind. Because just three books that you would recommend to out there. Uh, I like uh, a book that I just got for Christmas. That's from Barack Obama, The Promised Land. I think that's an awesome book. Uh, I love reading fantasy books, so I like Game of Thrones. So I read that, and there's another series that I really like that probably not, not a lot of people know, but it's from an author called Benedict Jacka. It's the Alex Ferris series, and it's uh, a lot of magic and stuff in there. It's really nice to just sometimes have just enter a completely different world and just go into that. It's like going into the ocean, go into a different world and just be there, and not think about anything else. I Yeah, it's sort of like going in the ocean is like going in some of my the books that I read. Great. And then, yeah, last but not least, what are your hopes and, and wishes for, for the future in general? My hopes is that we really start tackling climate change properly. It's 
we all know that this, it is a problem, but at the same time, it, it feels that it goes slow uh, because, and that's also the danger in it because it sort of creeps up on you till it's too late. Uh, I really want to take action and fix it now. I don't want to wait 10 years. 10 years could already be too late. And uh, I have two little children. They're going to be there in 20, 2100, probably. How is the world going to be for them? And how is it? How are they going to experience everything that we experienced already? And uh, my hope is that we really start tackling this, taking it serious, and that we really can combine environmental protection and, and environmental growth with economical profit. I think those are those can be very nicely linked when you restore C4 areas, coastal habitats. Uh, there's so much to gain. So much to learn out there, and that's really my hope that we that we actively do that and really go for it. Because as someone um, that's so tied to the ocean and knows so much about the ocean, what do you think are the the, the concrete and necessary steps that need to be taken in order to uh, in order that the ocean is uh, able to recover and um, uh, and to regain its, its its full vitality? What do you think? The key is having the right data the right information uh it's it's a very unknown area and if as long as you don't really know what is down there you don't really see that value so you need key data to 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 uh to show issues and show progress that we make as well if you restore an area you want to see that it actually gets better that the the the, the measures that we take are implemented and that they actually are successful and translate this to a much larger area spread the world uh, spread the word across the world. And for that, it's key to have good data. And that's what we provide. Great. Joost, thank you so much for the conversation. Uh, it was just nice to talk to you um, and great to hear your story. Thanks a lot for the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you, Benny. Thanks a lot. 